0: Listening to the teaching of Doxa Church. Doxa is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Amen. All right. Well, I have a question that I want to open up with this evening. And it's a very simple question, one that you've probably heard before, but I really want you to give some thought to. What do you love about Christmas? Think about that with me. What do you really love about this season? There are a lot of things, of course, and Christmas is, for a lot of people, their favorite holiday. Fun holidays where you dress up and get candy. There's fun holidays where you write a Valentine card and get candy. There's thought-provoking holidays like Thanksgiving where you really meditate and kind of go through all the grateful things uh, that, that that have been provided to you that you're grateful for, where you celebrate with friends and family and good food. There's celebratory holidays like Easter. Spring is in the air. You're dressing up. You're rejoicing in victory and in the life that you have through Jesus Christ's resurrection. But if you step back and think about it, Christmas is the holiday that has all of those elements packaged into one. There's the, it's the longest buildup. The kids are out of school. We have the songs. We have all the things leading up to it. And if you could pinpoint it, What is the thing that ties all that together about Christmas? Is it the presents? Is it the memories? Well, unlike all of the other holidays that I mentioned, Christmas truly has all of it behind it. And there's one thing that stands out. With Christmas, there is emotion. It's a very emotional holiday. You probably have a favorite Christmas movie that makes you laugh. You probably love giving and receiving gifts. Who doesn't? And, of course, there's patriotic holidays, which very much have emotion tied to them. Religious holidays like Easter, of course, carries a lot of emotion. But there is emotion at Christmas, the more you think about it, that is honestly unrivaled. And it could be tied to the secret family recipe that comes out once a year. It could be tied to the lights. But the Christmas holiday is filled with emotion. Tonight, I want to take you to three specific portions of Scripture. We're actually going to see quite a few verses today, but three big verses that shows you where this emotion comes from. What's behind all the emotion that you love at Christmas season? And you can sum it up in two words. Christmas spirit. Now, when I say Christmas spirit, I'm not talking about singing a Christmas carol to empower Santa's reindeer and his sleigh. I'm not talking about that Christmas spirit. We're not talking about the Christmas spirit that's just holly and jolly. And contrary to most Christmas movies, Christmas spirit is not something that you do to find the magic. It's not remembering being a kid and wanting that specific present. It's it's not even uh, being a good dad and finding the best gift. True Christmas spirit is not found in a man-made story at all. It's found in God's story, the ultimate love story. That's where we're going to find true Christmas spirit. So turn turn with me in your Bible to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 is where we will begin as we discover the emotion that is underneath all of the feelings that we have at Christmas time. In Isaiah 55, here, like any truly good story, it doesn't start out all great. There's actually a, a dark layer under, underlying it all. And if you want to begin to understand the spirit of Christmas, you can't tell that story fully without understanding the not-so-great part. There would be no need for Jesus Christ to arrive into this world if everything was just fine on its own. But the world we live in today is filled with darkness. It has always been that way. And Jesus arrived to this world on Christmas Day because John 3.19 says the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. That's why Jesus came. John also says in the same passage that those who do not believe in Jesus Christ are condemned already. So here's the first foundational undercurrent of true Christmas spirit. And you can say it a lot of of different ways, but tonight I want to call it simply desperation. Desperation. Isaiah 55, 1. Listen to this. Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and he who has no money come buy and eat come buy wine and milk without money and without price what an enigma what a beautifully paradoxical portion of scripture come everyone who thirsts to the waters this is the same call that jesus gives In Matthew 11, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's that same call. And Isaiah the prophet is revealing that without God, we are broken. We are thirsty, and we cannot quench our thirst. Something that we've seen leading up to today in our Advent series. Nothing can satisfy your thirst for fulfillment, Nothing can satisfy your craving for complete acceptance. Nothing can satisfy your desire for joy and ultimate peace. Nothing but one thing. You could say it this way. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Nothing on earth can satisfy that thirst. But heaven came down on Christmas Day, a savior of, a wor- of the world. Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. That's what this season is all about. Titus 3, 3-4 through 4 says it another way. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But... When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Look with me again at Isaiah 55, because this verse is so deep. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. So this would be pretty nice to shop at a place like this, right? When we were looking for all of our very expensive Christmas gifts. <laughs> Come buy without money, without price? I'd love to find a place like that. To find exactly what I craved and desired with no money. And this masterful writing is written in a language that is designed to point out That the water, the wine, the milk is not obtained by human purchase. So what are we left with? If this is something that we can buy without money, we don't have have the money to obtain this, what are we left with? It has to be the only other thing, divine grace. There's no other way. We've all heard the phrase that... Nothing is free. Have you heard that? Of course you have. That implies that someone else, whatever that is, if you feel like you're getting it without a cost, well, someone else had to pay the price. Someone else, it costs someone. Someone paid the price in that someone, in Isaiah 55 here, the name isn't there yet, but it has been revealed on Christmas Day that someone is the savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And this is the story of the gospel. This is the true Christmas story. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Please turn with me to Romans 6. We just read Isaiah 55, and we're going to look at a New Testament explanation of what we just mysteriously read in Isaiah. Isaiah. Actually, look at Romans 5, 6 through 11. Listen to Paul break it down for us. While we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. desperation you can't know the real meaning of Christmas and know your Savior if you were oblivious to your need for him for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God Jesus came from heaven to earth to be born in a manger because we were all in spiritual darkness that's why he came we were all blind apart from him on a path of destruction and by his love, he came for us. God the Father sent him, and Jesus the Son came. So once you know that, you can then receive the grace of God. And now there's a second component of Christmas spirit, beyond desperation, and it's exhilaration. 2 Corinthians 9.15 sums this up perfectly. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift that's a Christmas verse right there. Once you realize that you have been chosen and adopted and made an heir to the kingdom of heaven, there are no words to adequately describe the feeling that you receive. Thanks be to God to His inexpressible gift. Romans five. Says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This isn't just any old gift. This is the best gift. Think of your best gift as a child. I mean, we have some kids in here. Maybe you're hoping for your, for your favorite gift, the best gift you've ever received this year, and you want to get that under the tree tomorrow. Some of us here, if you, if you recall the, the most amazing Christmas gift you got as a kid, I remember some great gifts. My parents are here today, and it's, it's amazing to have them with us. They, they always went all out at Christmas. I had so many amazing gifts as a kid. But you know what? I don't have any of those gifts anymore. I don't have any of them. They're all gone. Whether it was the Nerf bow and arrow that broke a couple years later or the PS2 that's now ancient or the G.I. Joes, which I wish I still had some of those old G.I. Joes, I don't have any of those gifts. They've all faded away. I'm not trying to disappoint you kids. Enjoy those gifts, okay? But it won't last forever. The gift of Jesus Christ, the gift that he offers is so much better and so much greater. Jesus Christ offered himself. He paid the price for our sin. It was his life on the cross instead of us. And that's why he came. That's why he came at Christmas was to give his life a ransom for many. He took our sin He took your shame. He suffered and bled and died. And in agony, he gave it all, the ultimate price, to satisfy the righteous demand of a holy God, a just God who must judge sin. He died, he took our sin, and he gave us life. If you by faith look to him. This is a gift that's not just full of life and peace and joy. It goes even beyond ultimate fulfillment and purpose. This is found in a relationship with your creator. Because Jesus brings that. And the most amazing thing about it all is that it's eternal. This is the inexpressible gift that will never end. Never goes out of style, you'll never grow out of it, and it gets sweeter as the years go by. We all get a small taste of that at Christmas, with our traditions that, that pull at the heartstrings. but all of that is just a shadow of the real thing our Savior Jesus Christ, who came to this world over 2,000 years ago to give us life and to give it abundantly. It's truly an inexpressible gift. And that's why exhilaration is such a component of Christmas spirit. There's one more element of Christmas spirit that ties the bow on this gift, and it's exaltation. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says... For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. There's another Christmas verse for you. There's a lot of Christmas verses when you start to look for them. This is why we celebrate. Now, exaltation is a noun that is a feeling or state of extreme happiness. And when you know Jesus Christ and his inexpressible gift and his his Christmas spirit that he brings, that's the real emotion right there. But exaltation is also a verb. It's an action of elevating someone in rank, power, or character. And I want you to look again at how Jesus does this in 2 Corinthians 8-9. For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. Jesus Christ came to this world not only to save you, but to bring love, joy, and peace, and hope. He came to lift you up out of the miry pit and lift you higher than you've ever been before. That's why he came. Jesus came to exalt his beloved children. And one day, if you know him as your savior, if you've repented of your sin, confess that and turn to Jesus Christ, he will exalt you and he will go beyond that and he will glorify you. Turn with me to Philippians 2. I have another passage here for you. I want to show you how Jesus did this. How does he exalt you? Verse verse 4 of Philippians 2. That's where we'll start. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, So Jesus tells us to exalt others, to lift others up, to to self-sacrificially serve others. We are to do that to other people, and the example that we have is Jesus Christ, who came to this, this world to save us. Jesus Christ is the living word, who was in the beginning with God, and the word was God, and all things were made by him, when it was not anything made that was made. That man... Jesus Christ was 100% God, and he became man. He became also 100% man. He humbled himself. He emptied himself, which means he temporarily set aside his equality with God the Father. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, to hold on to. And he took the form of a servant, and he was born in likeness of men. So in Philippians 2, we again get a shocking revelation of what was going on behind the scenes. We're getting the blueprint here for true exaltation. And that is simply through Christ. He's showing us you must humble yourself and let others exalt you. You don't need to try to exalt yourself. It won't work that way. Jesus became a man. And this is beyond us, really. This is supernatural. This is our faith. We believe that he was born of a virgin. And, he, and look at verse 8 again. Verse 8 and 9. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him a name that is above every name. Humble sacrifice leads to exaltation. And that's what's behind the Christmas spirit lifting others up through humble sacrifice. The ultimate example of that is Jesus Christ. And we get to play that out to a lesser extent over and over again in the Christmas spirit. That's what the Christmas spirit is all about. Now, there is a movie. There is one Christmas movie, or maybe I should say a book, that accurately gets to the heart of the spirit of Christmas. I joked around earlier about all the different ideas that you see in Christmas movies that, that try to talk about Christmas spirit that are just silly, really, right? But there is a story that actually goes really well with, the, with an accurate picture of this. And there's been a lot of remakes of this, a lot of very shallow remakes. So it, it might be pretty watered down for you. but. But the real heartbeat of the Christmas spirit is seen, I think, the most in the Christmas story by Charles Dickens. Y'all vaguely familiar with that one at least, right? Mm -hmm. Think about it. Scrooge, he worships money at the expense of everything else. But his idol hasn't made him happy even though he sacrificed everything and everyone in his life to pursue it. To him, his life was dominated by the allure of wealth. That was the magic for him. So what happens in this Christmas story? Well, he gets visited by three ghosts that help him find the spirit of Christmas. First, the ghost shows him the biggest mistakes he made in his past. Stuff he's blocked out, refused to accept, and he's confronted about that. The second ghost shows him what people actually think of him in the present. And it's a cold dose of reality that breaks him. The third ghost shows him his future if he doesn't humble himself and change. And that future is hell. Scrooge wakes up from this nightmare, a different man. Have you ever had a nightmare where you just wake up and it's like, oh, wow, so glad that's not real? So glad I'm back in the real world where I'm sweating in this bed and I don't have to pay this fine or I don't have to go to jail. Like, Right? Crazy. Like You, you can wake up sometimes from a nightmare. You're just relieved that it wasn't true. That's what happened to Scrooge, right? And when you, look, when you take that Christmas story and you compare it to the true Christmas story in the Bible, this is what Jesus calls the good news. Jesus came to tell the world that everyone has a horrible past, desperation. Apart from Christ, your present is worse than you care to admit, admit. And your future if you don't receive his grace is hell. Christmas is emotional. And the true spirit of Christmas is waking up from the nightmare that on my own I'm in trouble by myself, apart from Christ. This is not going to end well. And it's being grateful that Jesus came to deal with all of that sin and rebellion and pain and brokenness that I was caught up in. The spirit of Christmas is embodied in desperation, exhilaration, and exaltation. I like to say it this way. The spirit of Christmas is waking up from the nightmare and finding God's gift of hope, love, joy, and peace. You familiar with those themes? When Scrooge woke up, he was so filled with the Christmas spirit that he feasted, he gave abundantly, and he reconciled with his family. Before he was too proud to feast, and he judged others. He had an empty punch bowl. But once he discovered the true spirit of Christmas, he became a new man. He became generous. He filled his empty punch bowl and he celebrated with others. He gave generously. That's the spirit of Christmas. If you stop and think about why you love Christmas, I hope you start to see that these emotions are actually behind it all. There are Christians who have woken up from the nightmare, but they haven't grown in the spirit of Christmas. They've lost the wonder of it all. They've overlooked the wonder-working power of an almighty God. You could say they're missing the magic, but what's really going on is they've lost the spirit Of who Jesus Christ is, what he came, and all of the emotion that comes with knowing him and finding him and feeling the relief from the pressure and the shame and the sin. Because when you find Christ and you receive forgiveness and restoration for all of that, you receive love, joy, peace. Now you have patience towards others, you're long suffering. You're not easily offended. All of those elements of love that we've been seeing over this last month come to fruition in our lives. There are some Christians who feast because they know they have been forgiven much. I hope that's you. I want that to be all of us. We're ready to kill the fatted calf and to celebrate big And generously and graciously because of what he has given to us. There are other Christians who forget that. And they judge others who in their eyes feast too much. How tragic is that? Others moralize Christmas and make it about doing good. They make their entire spiritual life about following a procedure in a pattern, and playing the part. And they've lost the spirit and the why behind all of that and the motivation behind all of that. They've moralized it. Some people are so out of step with the true spirit of Christmas that it's just performance and one-upmanship. I'm going to feel good about myself, and I'm going to be better than that person. I'm going to feel better about myself because I was better than them. How sad that is. That's the same as just making the Christmas holiday about the Christmas tree or the the Christmas greetings and the songs and the happy pudding and all of that. It's not about any of that. You can't make your life with Christ about anything other than the redemption and the freedom that you have and the joy and the peace that he brings because that's the spirit of our faith. The spirit of Christmas is about desperation turned into exhilaration, culminating in exaltation. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gifts. Thanks for listening to this message from- have any questions about the topic of this sermon, or if you would like someone to follow up with you about applying this to your life, please reach out to us at info at You are loved.